Amid the rising threat from China, could the U.S. extend its nuclear umbrella to Taiwan? Foreign Minister Joseph Wu indicates that talks have indeed taken place with the U.S. over extending nuclear protection to Taiwan. But he says that the details cannot be disclosed publicly. Defense expert Su Ziyun says that adding nuclear deterrence to traditional forms of deterrence would enhance Taiwan's security. With China's threat rising, there's growing attention on whether the U.S. may extend its nuclear umbrella to Taiwan. Should Taiwan take this opportunity to once again propose to the U.S. to provide nuclear protection to Taiwan? It would be unacceptable if any country were to threaten Taiwan with nuclear weapons. Because of this, we have been communicating with our good friends who share similar concerns. But as for the discussions between Taiwan and the U.S., it is not something that I can talk about here. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu indicated that U.S. and China had indeed discussed nuclear protection, but that the details were confidential. The U.S. currently has a nuclear umbrella arrangement with Japan and South Korea, among other countries. This means that if any ally is targeted by an attack, Washington will step in with a nuclear response. Experts say if the umbrella were extended beyond Japan and South Korea to also cover Taiwan, it would pose an effective deterrent to China. Our national policy is to not develop weapons of mass destruction. I think that because of this, other countries will be more supportive of us. I think including Taiwan would add to the deterrence value against China's military adventurism. American political scientist John Mersheimer had previously urged Taiwan to work closely with the U.S. so that the latter can extend its nuclear umbrella to Taiwan. He said that lawmakers in both chambers of Congress had proposed evaluating the use of nuclear deterrence against a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. According to Taiwanese political scientist Lu Xingji, entering a nuclear security alliance would put pressure on China, but it could ultimately cross China's red line and precipitate a bigger response from Beijing. We have to consider the matter from the point of war preparedness, consider whether other countries will support us if worse comes to worst. The security expert says that, with or without the U.S.'s protection, the best way for Taiwan to prevent an attack is to boost its defenses and be ready for battle. On day two of the World Health Assembly, China led the opposition against a motion concerning Taiwan's observer status. The motion was voted down, which means that the door is firmly closed on this year's participation bid. Taiwan's foreign ministry issued a strong protest criticizing the WHO's unjust position. Later in the day, a host of nations, including the U.S., Japan, the U.K., and France, used their three-minute speeches to speak out for Taiwan. U.S. Health Secretary Javier Becerra uh, underscored Washington's support for Taiwan's meaningful participation in WHO operations. On the second day of the World Health Assembly, members discussed whether to include a motion about Taiwan's participation in the agenda. During a two-on-two -two debate, Taiwan's allies Eswatini and the Marshall Islands were the first to express support. Facilitated dialogue among countries to chart an effective course to end the COVID-19 pandemic. Discussions such as these should exclude no one especially not Taiwan with its 23 million people. 
The DPP authorities on Taiwan refuse to recognize that both sides of the strait belong to one China. They have unilaterally destroyed and discarded the political basis on which Taiwan can participate in the World Health Assembly. China's ambassador fired back. In the end, member states voted against putting the motion on the agenda. But when the time came for each nation's three-minute statements, many nations, including the U.S., Japan, the U.K., and France, expressed support for Taiwan. And that we includes constructive stakeholders who have a role to play. The United States continues to strongly support Taiwan's meaningful participation at the World Health Assembly and in the WHO's work more broadly. It is important to refer to good examples of regions such as Taiwan that have achieved public health success and to avoid making any geographical vacuum created by leaving specific region behind in order to prevent. Even Taiwan's journalists were denied access to the summit. Although they had permits to cover the event, they were informed last minute that, due to pressure from Beijing, they would not be allowed in without a Taiwan compatriot permit. Responding to Chinese oppression at the WHA, Taiwan officials and activists in Geneva lodged a firm protest on the sidelines. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs will send a letter of protest to the WHO Secretariat. We find it extremely regrettable that Taiwan is being excluded on political grounds. On social media, President Tsai Ing-wen expressed disappointment over the WHA's decision. Taiwan's foreign ministry issued a statement criticizing the WHO's unjust position. The silver lining came from the international community and its increasingly vocal support for Taiwan. Demolition has begun for a so-called sand building in Taipei's Shiling district to make way for two modern residential towers. The 40-year-old building was classified as a CSAN building in 2020 after years of partial collapses. There are nearly 5,000 such structures in Taipei made of concrete that contains marine sand. At Tuesday's demolition ceremony, Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an pledged to speed up the city's urban renewal and to investigate each of the CSAN buildings one by one. Wearing a hard hat, Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an marks the demolition of a so-called sand building in Shiling District. The tiles were deformed and the metal elements were also deformed. We would sweep the area because the ground would be covered in sand. It was later confirmed to be a sand building. The professional said there was no way to fix it. If we glued it up today, it would still shed sand tomorrow. This building near Shuangxi Park stood for 40 years. It was classified as a sand building in 2020 after years of safety issues. In its place, two 17-story towers with four underground levels will be built, with completion expected in three and a half years. Taipei City has identified as many as 4,975 CSAN buildings, but many more could be off the books. Mayor Jiang says he's on the case. What often happens is that parts of the ceiling fall off or chunks of concrete fall off. All these things are an enormous risk, a danger for residents. So for our urban renewal team at the city hall, addressing these issues is a very important task. Jiang pledged to investigate each of the city's known sea sand buildings one by one. He said he would speed up urban renewal to make the city a safer place for residents. Ali Shan's new Cyprus train, the Formosensis, derailed during a test run Tuesday morning. 
No personnel were injured in the accident. The 65 million NT train has been undergoing trials since March, and today's test was meant to be its last before launch. At 10.40 in the morning, the train derailed while passing through the level crossing of the Alishan Youth Activity Center. At present, we're presuming that a stone from the track ballast fell into the space between the guardrail and the main rail, so that the wheels of the second carriage ran over the stone and derailed. With the help of the Alishan Railway Garage, the re-railing operation was completed at 12.40. Upon inspection of the train, we found damage to the railway coupling. On video, you can see the formal census on what was to be its final test run. The train crew was filming the milestone journey and was caught off guard when the carriage began to shake before derailing. All testing is now suspended. The Forestry Railway Office says it will review its placement of stones on the track ballast to prevent similar incidents from happening again. An indigenous choir in Kaohsiung is preparing to compete at the biggest international choral competition in the world. The children's choir hails from Baolai Junior High School and includes the Nibun Chorus. In 2018, they won gold at the World Choir Games. After a hiatus for the pandemic, the Games are back and will kick off in South Korea in July. The choir's specialty is a unique eight-part polyphony that is traditional to the Bunan people. Rehearsals are hard underway and a warm-up concert in Liugui Township is planned for June. A chorus of angelic voices fills the school. The singers come from Baolai Junior High School and the Nibun Chorus. In 2018, they won top place at the World Choir Games, and in July, they're headed to South Korea to compete at the Games again. These are the voices of Taiwan. When the voices of Taiwan go international, then people globally will see the honor of Taiwan. The children are showing off Taiwan's honor, and they're bringing honor to our communities and to Baolai Junior High. The most local voices here in Liugui and Baolai are our indigenous voices. So we have done a re-edit and a new arrangement of Bunun music and added in some staged images to turn it into a presentation. And now we're going to take it to the international stage. The choir also includes members from Jenshan and Laonong Elementary Schools. They practice at weekends and on holidays, developing their team spirit and having loads of fun even when it's a sweat. We have to practice in different elementary and junior high schools, each one doing their own part. And then we use holiday time to put it all together. The singers are looking forward to a chance to shine for Taiwan. They want to introduce more audiences to Pasibutbut, the sacred eight-part song of the Bunon people. The upcoming trip overseas is both daunting and exciting. I'm very nervous about going overseas because it's my first time and I'll be representing Taiwan in the choir games. I really want to go and see the big wide world and win honor for Taiwan. A dance teacher has helped the choir choreograph movements for the songs, creating a more complete performance. They plan to offer a concert at the end of June open to the public. Music lovers are welcome to cheer for the children in Baolai Village before they set off for South Korea. Here's hoping the choir can bring back gold again this year. Influenza continues to surge. The Taiwan CDC reported 18 new severe flu cases in a single week along with two more deaths. Two of the severe cases involve a 2-year-old and a 7-year-old who were rushed to intensive care units. 
Meanwhile, the fourth wave of COVID is still surging, driven mainly by the XBB variant. Officials estimate that there are more than 20,000 new COVID cases each day, given that more than 200 cases with complications are being reported daily. We estimate that the number of positive cases is about 20,000 per day. We anticipate the peak to fall around late June. Patients who don't use antiviral drugs compared to those who take Paxlovid have 2.11 times the mortality risk. If comparing unvaccinated older adults or those who only received one or two doses against those who completed all three doses, the mortality risk is 1.81 and 1.55 times higher respectively. To encourage vaccination, the Taiwan CDC will give a 500 NT coupon or a promotional item to adults aged 65 and above who get a third shot. This campaign starts on Wednesday. Officials say the mask mandate will remain in place at medical institutions, nursing homes and welfare institutions for older adults. Starting May 31st, masks will no longer be mandatory at facilities including homes for veterans and youth service centers, but they will be strongly recommended. The cracks in China's economy are increasingly starting to show, experts say. As of last year, non-performing debts at 40 Chinese-listed banks had jumped by nearly 9% annually to a total of 7.9 trillion NT. Recently, China Construction Bank halted withdrawals for depositors in Yunnan province. This major state-owned bank claimed that the measure was taken to crack down on fraud, but experts believe it was aimed at buying time for the bank amid a mountain of bad debts. After finding their credit cards and debit cards frozen, hordes of customers in Yunnan rushed to China Construction Bank for help. But there are simply too many affected people. Customers are crammed inside the bank's lobby. Outside the doors, lines stretch into the distance. People reported waiting three to four hours to unfreeze their accounts. For those with smaller incomes, the thought of their hard-earned savings vanishing was especially distressing. It's very frustrating. I have more than 30,000 yuan. It's the money my father earned selling vegetables under the scorching sun these past two months. You've frozen my card over and over again, and for what? What law did I break? Tell me. Even after a long wait, a resolution was not guaranteed. Most depositors were informed that their accounts were frozen as a protective measure against fraud. Three provinces in China have basically gone bankrupt, Yunnan, Guizhou and Liaoning. Yunnan has launched a strategy in which its debt is borne by the central government. Some people suspect that all of this is because of problems in Yunnan's finances. The bank is suspected of freezing credit cards and preventing users from withdrawing money over the long term to give its funds a breather. That could be the main reason. Last year, rural banks in Henan and Anhui provinces froze the accounts of some 400,000 depositors, many of whom are still unable to access their savings. Groups of demonstrators staged protests in the city of Zhenzhou, saying that their accounts were blocked illegally. Only China says its economy is doing well. But looking at it from all aspects, we see that's not the case. If its banking system is facing liquidity risks, then it means that China's economic problems are more severe than we had imagined. As of the end of last year, the combined bad debt across 40 listed banks in China had swelled by 8.84% annually to reach about 7.9 trillion NT. 
Taiwan's only island hopping marathon will kick off again on November 5th in Penghu. It's the 2023 Galardia Islands Penghu Cross Sea Marathon, which offers racers stunning views of the archipelago. Runners can stop at various aid stations along the way to taste local Penghu delicacies like lobster and oyster porridge. Our reporter Stephen Yang has the highlights of this year's race. Runners race along the coastline while enjoying the beautiful view. They pass by Yuwengdao Lighthouse, Mount Niuxing, the Daguoye Columnar Basalt Formations, and Penghu Great Bridge, among other scenic areas. Along the way, runners stop by eight stations that serve up local Penghu delicacies such as lobster, oyster porridge, and cuttlefish balls. The 2023 Gallardia Islands Penghu Cross Sea Marathon will kick off on November 5th. Vuban cheerleaders will be there to cheer the runners on. This year, Dutch runner July Hijins is an ambassador for the event and will participate in the half marathon race. Hijins previously competed in the triathlon in Penghu, but says she can't wait to see more beautiful sights in the island county. She says the windy Penghu climate reminds her of her home in the Netherlands. Before I went to Penghu for the Ironman, and this time it's only for a marathon. I will do the 21K, and so I hope to see the same things I did see before and feel the wind and just have fun. Well, the food is good, and it's a beautiful island and uh, beautiful surroundings and the uh, <laughs> big, just uh, a lot of wind, and that was uh, kind of hard when I was riding my bike. But it also felt like a kind of being home because uh, in Holland we have a lot of wind as well. The annual 2023 Gallardia Islands Penghu Cross Sea Marathon is internationally certified. Runners can participate under several categories, including a 42-kilometer full marathon, a 21-kilometer half marathon, a 42-kilometer relay race a 5-kilometer race and, for the first time, an 11-kilometer race. We will hold a wonderful marathon that parents and children can both participate in. There is a 5-kilometer category and an 11-kilometer category. The best part is our beautiful coastline. Running across the Penghu Great Bridge will feel like a huge challenge, but I think it will be an unforgettable experience. To attract more international runners, the organizers have hired translators and will put up signs in both English and Mandarin Chinese. Registration for the marathon closes on September 30th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Su Yusen in Taipei. A beloved nature spot in the Central Mountain Range has raised its ticket prices for the first time in 20 years. Many regular visitors are dismayed. The crowds at Shito Nature Education Area in Nanto have grown quickly since the end of the pandemic. With inflation so high, the reserve's guardians say they have no choice but to hike prices. It's an especially big blow for older locals of Lugu Township, for whom the entry ticket to their local beauty spot has tripled. Here at Shito Nature Education Area, lots of older people are sitting down on the stairs to rest. Some are quite unhappy about the news of a ticket price increase. 
Some places are more economical. I won't be coming anymore, not three times a week. Located in Nanto's Lugu Township, Shito is under the jurisdiction of NTU Experimental Forest Office. Even at the height of the COVID pandemic, it saw more than 1.4 million visitors flock through its gates each year. Since the pandemic let up, it has seen upward of 6,000 visitors in a single day. But the ticket price has been frozen since 2003. As utilities and labor costs have soared, the guardians of the forest have been forced to raise the price. The users have to pay. They can't cover their costs. I can accept it, but it is a big increase in price. Starting on July 1st, all the tickets, from a standard adult to a concession, will go up 20 NT. The annual season ticket will jump from 1,500 to 2,000 NT. The concession ticket for people aged 70 and up used to be 10 NT, but will triple to 30 NT, a big blow. I think if it's 10 NT now, you could raise it to 20 NT, but raising it to 30 NT is tripling it. They have to raise the prices, so there aren't such huge crowds here. If you go higher up in to the mountains, you come to Shanlingxi Forest Recreational Area. Its managers say they are not raising prices this year, but next year, depending on the state of inflation, visitors might need to brace for a change in the budget.